Let me begin this morning by saying to you who have a bulletin, who are looking to fill in the blanks, go ahead and put that bulletin down. Here's the reason why. I have poor computer skills. So whatever I typed out, I did not save when I sent it to be published. And so that is an old outline. So I am sorry for that. Uh, that is all on me and... Um, my bad. <laughs> As you and I begin a study this morning, we want to understand God. And the reason why we want to understand Him is because of the book He has given to us. Now, we can look through that book and we can see what He has done for people and how He has helped them out and how He has gotten them out of jams and how He has protected them and how He's done this and those things. And we can see those attributes of God. But there's something very important about His name. So today, you and I are going to take our time and look at the different names that we find within the Bible about God Himself. Sometimes I look around our world and I say about us as people, what's wrong with us? You know, God is very specific in His Word about what He wants and how He wants it. And so I, I look at us and say, what's wrong with us? Why don't we get our acts together? Why don't we begin to follow Him the way He wants us to? And then I turn that uh, ever-piercing eye toward myself, and I say, well, really, what's wrong with me? Because I, I can't make anyone else follow God. I can't make anyone else have reverence for God or respect toward God. I, I have to do that myself. So I ask, what's wrong with me? And then I say, well, maybe it's God's fault. Maybe he's just so complex that we can't understand him. Maybe he is, his nature and his deity itself is, is so diverse that, that I can't even begin to understand him. And then I think, well, then why would he give me this book? If I can't understand him, if I'm not expected to understand him, why even have this book? Is it just a way to take up a few hours during the week? We don't understand God because we really don't understand His name. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, Moses, at the ripe old age of 80, is preparing to uh, have the men and women of Israel leave Egyptian captivity. God is going to use him to uh, usher them out of Egypt. Well, by this time, Moses looks at himself and says, they're not going to follow me. When they first knew me, all they knew me as was uh, Pharaoh's grandson. Now, they're not going to follow Pharaoh's grandson out of Egypt. They might think that's just a trap. For the last 40 years, they've known me as someone who has been running from the law. As a matter of fact, the last thing I did when they saw me was kill a man. And so maybe they just now see me as an outlaw. Maybe they think I'm going to take them out here and be in cahoots with Pharaoh and kill everybody. 
But as God is telling Moses what his job is going to be, notice he never asked him, would he do it? He just said, go in there and get them out. Moses asked, by, by what authority, by who, whose name shall I give them? And that's when God says, you tell them that I am sent you. And so as we look at his name, we ask the same question Moses asked. What is, what is your name? The first name we run into in the Bible is the fourth word of the English Bible, the third word of the Hebrew Bible. It's used some 2,300 plus times and primarily in the Old Testament. That word is Elohim. It's found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, found also in reference in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26 and in 27. Uh, let's take a moment and look at some grammar rules. How many of you like grammar rules? Two of us. All right. Good deal. <laughs> Whenever you're reading and studying through Hebrew languages, you'll find words that end in H-I-M. And many times you've probably heard that's a plural, and, and it is, but it goes deeper than that. See, in the English language, we just add an S to it, and that's two or uh, you know, however many you have. In the Hebrew language, when you add the, the three letters on the end, H-I-M, that's three or more. Three. Interestingly, from the very first mention, God mentions his name. He mentions himself as being three. It's found in verse number 26 and 27 where God speaking to himself, all of the parts there of God, conversating, let us make man in our image. Do you hear those pronouns? Us and our now, if I am standing in this room and I say, let us go out to the multipurpose building and uh, get a Coke, well, then I may be crazy or I may just be talking, you know, just to me so I can hear me say us. This is not God. This is God saying to those other who are there, let us make man in our image. There are three who are there. 213 times in the, in the Old Testament, this name Elohim is shortened to El. It's commonly used in names of cities or, or people. Joel, J-O-E-L. He's named after or praising, his, his mother is praising God for the birth of this child. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You and I see them mentioned there as names that would be uh, reverent toward God. Just for a side note in your study here, when these four boys, these four young fellows go to uh, that country of, of oppression, they have their names changed from names that would praise God to names that would praise little g gods, idols. Their names are changed to Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so as we look at the word El, we see it 213 times alone, but we see it in, in names of cities, in names of, of people. How about Bethel? Bethel, the house of God. 70, 79 times it's shortened to Elah. 43 times of those 79 times you find that word in the book of Ezra. 49 times. 
or 43 times out of 79 times, it's in Ezra. If you're looking in the Greek version of your uh, Old Testament, out of the Septuagint, what you'll read and what you'll see in those particular places is this little funny symbol right here. And uh, the word is theos, or it means God, the superior one. Elohim. The very first mention we have of God's name, it is in the plural. Notice this mention, God Adonai. It means, it means Lord. In the Old Testament, it's Adonai. In the, King, in the New Testament, it's Kyrios, also translated as Christ or King. It deals with the servant-master relationship. And out of all of the relationships that God and man are mentioned in, this is the one that I have the most difficulty with. How about you? You know what I don't like? Out of all the things in the world that I don't like, what I don't really like is being told what to do. Am I alone in that? No. And here is the very relationship of God having the authority to tell me what to do. It deals with the master-servant relationship. And the reason why I guess I don't like it so much is because I don't want to be the servant. You know, that, that phrase holds a very negative connotation in our society, doesn't it? At least in our American society. And yet it is in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 24 where Jesus says, I'm going to be the Lord and you're going to be the servant. What a great idea. God, the Lord, the master of all things. You find a very popular name of God on the board here. The word means self-existent one. You see how it's written all in all capitalized letters, and it has all consonants. There's a reason for that. This word is translated as Lord, and it first appears in Genesis chapter number 2. And it's found 11 times that way in Genesis chapter 2, a total of about 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Let's look at this word, Yahweh. Yahweh is pronounced that way, we think. We think. Notice that. We think, and it's because all of the consonant or all of the vowels were left out. As a point of reference in the Jewish mindset that, and in the Jewish writing, they would leave those vowels out as as showing reverence toward God. So our best guess is Yahweh. In Genesis chapter six and verse five is the first mention of it, or rather, in Genesis chapter six and verse five, it's mentioned, and it's mentioned in that passage four different times that way as the self-existent one said to Noah, you better build a boat. In Exodus, he's mentioned as Jehovah, and we, we see that a lot, Jehovah. It's in Psalm 83 in Isaiah chapter 12. Uh, that word is translated as Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. You will see that throughout uh, your Old Testament, every time you see it, it's this word. It's not that um, the, the writer of your particular copy enjoyed writing the word Lord all capitalized. And sometimes he just got lazy and didn't write it that way. Oh no, this means this particular uh, word here. 
as we look at this word, uh, it can go in in combination with other words like Yahweh Elohim is found 229 times. It means omnipotent God or almighty one. Uh, Adonai Yahweh is uh, 300 times. It means mighty master of all. Stop right there for a moment. Look at what it doesn't say. Mighty master of men. He is, he is the mighty one, the master of all of creation. Now, go back in your minds, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 9. In Genesis chapter number 9, uh, Noah and his family get off the boat, right? And everything, all the waters are receding, and, and God says to him, you see that rainbow over there in the sky? I'm going to make a covenant with mankind so that they will know that I will never destroy the earth with water again. Is that what it says? Let's take a straw poll. Who says yes? Who says no? The answer is no. It doesn't say that he's going to make a, a, uh, a covenant with all of mankind. He said, I'm going to make a covenant with all of creation. The covenant that the mighty master of all makes, he makes with the trees and the grass. He makes with those animals that creep on the ground. He makes with our pets. He makes with us. He makes with the planets. He makes with the universe because he's master over all of those things. And he makes that a priority that you and I see that rainbow and that we remember that particular covenant that was made with everything. Lord God of hosts, found 245 times in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3. He is called the power over the army of heaven. This one called God, this one, this Lord of hosts, this Yahweh, is called the power of the army of God. Stop right there. You remember what happened when he sent that one angel down outside of Jerusalem on that one night where 185,000 enemies woke up dead? That's even possible. Can you imagine that? One angel can destroy 185,000. Would you like to tell me what an army can do? And the power that's behind them is God. Fifteen times you read, read, Lord God of hosts. And thirteen of those fifteen times you read that in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Elo Elohi, Israel, the mighty God of Israel, found in Genesis chapter 33 and verse number 20. It describes God's work among His people. Stop right there. His people. Did God work uh, amongst the, the Gentiles? Absolutely. This is a direct reference to God working amongst His people. And the God that you and I serve could still be called Elo Elohi even today as He still continues to work amongst His people. We look at El Shaddai, the name of God, the Almighty God or God Almighty, and it's a direct reference to God's power and might and majesty. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis. You want to see the might and the majesty and the power of God, the one who can create all things from 
nothing. From simply speaking, he has everything that he needs and everything that he wants. Exodus chapter 2 through Exodus chapter 32, you want to see the might and the power and the majesty of God. There wasn't enough people on this earth. There wouldn't have been enough armies on this earth. And there wouldn't have been enough people to stand up against Israel on this earth when God said he wanted his children out of Egypt. Where'd they go? They went out of Egypt. Why? Because of his might and majesty and power. It was nothing to do with Moses. Nothing to do with those ten, ten plagues. That was simply to uh, allow Pharaoh to either soften or harden his heart. If God wanted them out of there tomorrow, he would have said, y'all are leaving tonight. You see it in the book of Joshua. That ragtag little army they had, you think they could do anything with that? Without God, they could not. As a matter of fact, they find themselves in a battle without God in chapter number 7 of the book of Joshua against this little city of Ai where they get stomped. Without God, the nation of Israel has nothing in, in uh, military power. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, you see it all the way through those things. If you want to see the, might, the majesty and the power of God, look at John chapter 1. Beginning in verse number 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything created. We look at verse 14 and we read this, And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten full of grace and truth. When you see God the Son, step away from His rightly deserved throne and come here and put on flesh, a body like you and I have. You see the might and the majesty of God. And every time I read about John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 or so, where Jesus puts on that body. I am reminded of a God that has no wants or desires or needs, putting on a physical body that is full of wants and desires and needs. He had the same body you and I have. Can you imagine the first time Jesus was tired or exhausted? We find him from time to time going to rest in a mountain or falling asleep at the bottom of a boat. Can you imagine that physical body just being exhausted this is the one who who doesn't who is god he doesn't understand those things how about when he's first hungry or thirsty the things jesus would experience and the might and the power that he would lay down simply to redeem us back to god is mind-boggling. 
It's earth-shattering. As we look at him, uh, known as God, we see the high I, the I am. That's what he mentions in Genesis cha- or Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 6. God said, you tell them that I am sent you. It's interesting to me that Jesus, that son of God, in John chapter 8 and verse number 24, said this, unless you believe that I am. Same word. You'll die in your sin. Atik Yom Found in Daniel chapter 7 and Micah chapter 5, the ancient of days. He has no need, no desire for time. I am. He is always in the present and he is the ancient of days. It deals with his eternal nature and his perpetual existence. I know what time I woke up. I know what time, hopefully, Hopefully I know what time I will go to bed. I know what time I will eat. I know what time uh, evening worship service begins this evening. I know time about this and time about that. I know what time I'll go to work tomorrow. And God would look at our keeping of time. Somewhat shake his head and laugh at us. (laughs) And he would say, time. not going to exist. When you get into the same realm I am, time does not exist. He is eternal. He is perpetual. He is always and has always and will always. In the Greek we see, we read this word pentakotor, means the almighty one. He has sway over all things. It has reference to God holding the entirety of the world and the entirety of the universe in the palms of his hands. You know that old song we used to sing back at VBS, he's got the whole world in his hands based off of this word. He has the sway in his hands, all of it. And I find myself there in the protection of my God's hands. 2 Corinthians 6, Revelation 4, Revelation 11, 15, 16, 21. You and I look at the names for God. We look at what we call God, and what we realize is those names are not really names. They're attributes. Everything that we call a name of God is an attribute of God. And it's not an attribute of this God. It is an attribute of God alone. For without the God of the Bible, we find ourselves lost. And it's necessary that you and I understand that there is no other God. We look at those names and we, we dive in there and we, we try to learn more about him. And we try to figure out more about him. And those are great studies. Looking at the name of God is a, is a fantastic way to study God. Did you know me knowing the name of God is not nearly as important as him knowing my name? It's not nearly as important 
as if he knows my name. That is, if he knows my name as his child. There's only really one way that that's done, and that's through faithful obedience to the one who is the Almighty, the self-existent one, the, the power and the might and the majesty alone, the Ancient of Days. He is the only God in this world, period. And it is only through Him that salvation is offered. It's offered through His plan. That plan that began before time existed in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3, and it's offered through the blood of His Son. John chapter 3. Is preserved for us through His Word that His Spirit made sure would be preserved for us. And we have an opportunity even this morning for, for us to be obedient to God and for God to know my name. Have you been washed with the blood that was offered on that cross some 2,000 years ago? If the answer is no, I've got great news for you. You can be. And you can be today, if you will listen to what he has to say. If you'll believe those things with all of your mind, uh, John chapter 8 and verse number 24, if you will confess that Jesus is the Christ, Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3, if you, that is repent of your sin, Luke 13, 3, if you'll confess that Jesus is the Christ, Matthew 10, 32, and if you'll be baptized in water, Acts 2, 38, for the remission of your sins, if you'll be raised to walk in a newness of life, Romans 6, 1 through 4, you can put on the blood of Jesus the Christ today, and God will know your name. You will be His child. First, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It may be the fact that you've done those things, and yet as you look back and you compare your life to God's holy word, you think, well, it just, it just hasn't, it hasn't added up yet. Maybe you need to come back home to the God that loves you, to the God that misses you, to the God that wants you back with him, and to the family of God who wants you there. Let me beg you to do those things right now while we stand and while we sing. Have the